You're listening to Joy Coaching America with the Joy Coach, Karen Lynn Grant, spreading upbeat, uplifting, informative messages of hope and happiness from sea to shining sea from our home in the beautiful Rocky Mountains. Welcome to Joy Coaching America. This is Karen Lynn Grant, and today I have the honor and the privilege of introducing to you a very wonderful friend of mine, Judy Dunstan. Judy is a certified hypnotherapist. She's very active in teaching courses and classes. She's an addiction specialist, so she has much wisdom to impart on the subject of addiction recovery for those who might be struggling, especially we know that there's been a rise of addiction during this this really difficult, challenging time. And so today, Judy, I'm so excited to be here with you to hear your story, what brought you into your fields of interest and in blessing the world, comforting people and making their journeys more comfortable and Christian, Christian coaching. I'd love to hear all about that. So I'm going to turn the time over to you to just tell us a little bit about your mentors and how you found and discovered this path that you and your just sweetheart husband, Cliff Dunstan, and we would just want to hear from you. Thanks, Judy. Oh, well, thank you so much for inviting me, Karen. You're just such a sweetheart. I've always enjoyed you um, and our friendship through the years, and we've got a lot of history together. We've been through yes, a lot. Yes, we do. We a do. A lot of learning and growing. So much so, and I look so much up to you and to dear Cliff, who just recently passed. And eighteen days ago, my sweetheart um, passed away, and uh, he graduated with honors, and he's in paradise. And um, it is comforting to know that he is not sick anymore, that he would always, you know, in this life, wake up with the energy of Tigger and want to dance in the kitchen at breakfast. And he is uh, kicking his heels because he's got his eyesight back and his vitality back. So um, it's very, very comforting. And I've had experiences with him where I feel him very close to me. And those have been very, very special to me. So um, at the same time, I have my moments where I uh, shed my tears, and then I, I uh, am buoyed back up by the comforter, so I can feel, you know, his well-being and know that he's in a good place. So, um, I'm just new to this, and so uh, redefining uh, my life a little bit, and so I'm going to grow and learn from it. But the wonderful thing is, is, is that I remember being in a puddle of tears when I didn't have healing tools, and now if I have a moment to grieve. I can get back on top of it and get back into the light where I can serve my um, Lord and Savior better than if I'm in the darkness. I love that, Judy. And I remember many, many years ago coming to you and Cliff very early on in my journey. I think that was probably in 1999 or 1998. And I had been going through a a troubled marriage. And I came to you and Cliff. Cliff was a lymphologist, right? Yeah. He was a lymphologist, certified lymphologist. And, and the work that you did, I don't even know if you were married at that time yet. Were you married when I first met you? Well, we got married in uh, 1998, April 11th. So, okay. 
Well, I came to you and it was such a wonderful partnership, the work that you did together. And I know it just felt like when you're going through grief, when you're struggling through, through situations that you really do not know how to get through all by yourself, it is really comforting to know that there are loving specialists out there who just have an approach that is faith-filled, Christian-based, and I was the recipient of that. And after that, we, we went on and further developed our friendship. We, we went into Congan Water together. We were very much, you were such a water expert, and, and there's just so many wonderful things. I've just followed you through the years and have looked up to you and Cliff and have loved you, and I'm just so grateful to be interviewing you here today. Judy, there are a lot of people that are grieving right now, especially. I think that every time I meet someone new and they open their heart and they share a little bit about what's going on in their life or their journey. Uh, the other day, my husband and I walked away from a conversation and we just looked at each other and he said, everybody has something that they're dealing with right now, don't they? And I said, everybody does. And if you don't, you know somebody who does. And you are feeling compassionate and empathy and concern for somebody that you love, even if you yourself is not personally going through something. So Judy, I would love for you to talk to us about, I want to ask you about hypnotherapy, but first I want to ask you, how did you come to your journey of becoming a, a Christian-based healing um, advocate for helping others and making their journeys more comfortable in this world? Oh, I'd be glad to share that. You know, when I was only um, 14 years old, um, as a teenager, my mother worked at the state hospital. And so um, I would go up to the state hospital and she wanted to expose me to uh, some of the things that they were doing. And so um, they, she would ask if the psychiatrist, if I could be part of the meetings and they would accept me or, or not, they had the choice, but they would accept me in the meeting. And Dr. Kiger was the um, head supervisor and, and the uh, psychiatrist of the unit. And it was on the forensics unit which they used to call it in that those days, uh, criminally insane. And so these people probably had some kind of charges that they had had. So they had community meeting and I just watched with uh, awe with how he facilitated people and what he said. And so when an attendant would say something like we've had a problem with this patient, he said, did you do instant therapy? And he said, I'll teach you the skills. But he said, I want you to handle it, not in the community meeting, but I want you to handle it right at the moment. And that has stuck with me, the word instant therapy, because when I have an issue, it's like I don't say I'll heal it next week or when I have time or, you know, two or three hours because you lose the focus, you lose the awareness of what it is. And it's like, oh, I've, you know, and instant therapy is something that I use. So my mother, as she awakened me to all of this, um, I didn't really see myself doing this work because I didn't feel very confident in myself as a person, you know, uh, in that young age and, and going through the years. And, and so, you know, as I continued on, I just naturally gravitated to um, those kind of things and ended up um, in a challenging marriage where 
um, I didn't have the tools and the understanding um, to bring out the best in him and the rest in me. So we struggled, we worked well together and we, there was a lot of really positive things. Um, so um, the, the relationship after 18 years ended up in a divorce and I just knew that I needed uh, some help. So a couple of years before we were divorced, I you know, got some therapy and the awareness was great um, of what I was taught, but there wasn't a lot of um, integration, healing and being able to do it differently. And so um, we divorced, but I thought, you know what? I don't wanna do this again. I don't wanna um, have someone that I love, care about and not being able to make it work. So mm -hmm. I just um, began my education and my healing for myself. And I just kept on going until I got the answers that I needed to um, be able to have been successful in that relationship. Now he had remarried, so I didn't get to practice the um, integrating it with him, but I got the results of saying, okay, I got the healing of all of that. So that's mm. how it started. And that was my interest in being able to uh, be a chain breaker and being able to leave a legacy for my children that was better than the path that I had walked. You know, Judy, I think that so often the Lord lets, lets us experience some heartache so that we will have the impetus to go and learn and glean and gain the skills so that we can help somebody else that might not turn to him in a time of trouble. And I love how your work is so Christ-centered and Christian-based and that you, that you took that opportunity as a catalyst. And I had no idea of that when I came to you. I think it's so wonderful, the coaching work that, that you do, and that when you come to somebody to know that they have walked in those moccasins, they have, they have experienced some of that heartache and that trial of being in a relationship, not having the skills and wanting to make it work, wanting to make it, to create a beautiful lasting relationship, but just not knowing how and trying from every angle and still not uh, seeing results that you want that are healthy and beautiful. So I just, I think that it's wonderful. I didn't know this part of your story. And I think that it's really an important part of your story for all of us to understand because no wonder you have such compassion, empathy, and kindness in dealing with others and their marriages and in their own personal journeys of healing. And so we're going to, I, I can't wait to ask you questions about how you became interested in hypnotherapy, um, how you work with the addicted. And so we will be asking you those questions. So be thinking because we're going to break for an a station, a station break here. And we're going to have a little bit of the news and then we'll be right back to interview Judy Dunstan, who is a certified hypnotherapist a certified re re addiction recovery specialist, as well as an expert in the field of Christian coaching. This is Karen Lynn Grant. We are Joy Coaching America, and we'll be right back.
from sea to shining sea and beyond. You're listening to Joy Coaching America Worldwide with show host and Joy Coach, Karen Lynn Grant. Welcome back to Joy Coaching America. This is Carolyn Grant, and I am so excited to be here with you, Judy Dunstan. You are a certified hypnotherapist, a certified addiction recovery specialist, as well as a Christian coach. And you have been doing this for many years. I remember coming to you and your dear husband, Cliff, way back in 1999 or 98. And, and, and I, it was just so neat to come to a couple. Like, I loved that. I love that work that you, that you did together and that you will continue doing now, even with Cliff being your sweet missionary companion from the other side. And I just know he's close to you. I want to ask you, tell us about your hypnotherapy and about a little bit, anything you want to share with us about the subconscious mind. I think the subconscious mind is so interesting how we can repeat history, repeat patterns, and we're just kind of operating out of subconscious world there. So tell us about that journey of becoming a certified hypnotherapist. Okay. So as I did my own work, um, it was amazing to me that out of my, me doing my own work, that I was sending out a vibrational energy that I wasn't even aware of because I was still single at the time and married couples were coming to me for some um, healing in their relationship, which was shocking because it's like me and I'm, you know, however, I had learned what to, what I could have done and um, the tools with how to get there. And boy, I really introspected, man, I really needed a clean house. Um, I came from a home where my, both my parents had a, a multiple addictions and um, not good tools and they were not spiritually um, mature and they were good people, they were just lost. And so mm -hmm. as I did my own work, it was just amazing to me. And I tell people today when I do my courses, the very best way for you to draw a clientele is do your own work because somebody will sense that you have climbed that mountain, you've, you've you know, leaped over that hurdle, you've done your own work and you have a maturation energy that they will recognize on a subconscious level and they will want to know what you know. So we know that, um, you know, with our conscious mind, we can feel one way, feel and think, and we can subconsciously feel and think a different way. So I had a lady come to me, her husband was really, really upset because she had filled a temporary position in this company. And uh, he, she didn't get the permanent position when it came around. And so I asked the lady about her, his wife, about, you know, her, her life. And she had... Um, a one and a half year old and a three and a half year old. And so the job would have taken her out of the home to an eight five position. So I was able to measure on a conscious level. Do you want this job? It was on a 10. And when I measured her with kinesiology, um, does she want the job? Um, and it was measured as zero. Hmm. And so it's like, there's no way that this girl was going to create it. She didn't want to leave her children. She didn't want to be gone an eight to five. And so she, you know, would sabotage it or not also draw it, you know, and open herself up to those opportunities. So as we did the healing, um, she found a job that she could do with an insurance company 
where she could stay home and uh, have the older children care for her younger children and um, take phone calls and, and have people call in and then just be on call in the home. So something that worked better for her um, because she sabotaged it, didn't want it, you know, on a subconscious level and that's the power of the subconscious. And of course we've got the subconscious, which is, you know, carries the uh, history of our wounded inner child. And if our wounded inner child has learned something that's erroneous or negative or painful, um, a lot of times they have more power over the situation than we do on a conscious level. So a lot of times we fight from with our conscious mind to our subconscious mind. And um, we feel like failures because we're not making it happen. But as we understand the pain of the inner child, we can go to the inner child and let that inner child know that we're here to help them, to love them, and to not push them away. Because by ignoring our emotional work, we're really, and we're ignoring the inner child that needs to be talked to, needs to be reframed, needs to be listened to, needs to be appreciated, needs to be recognized, needs to be loved, need to be, you know, um, have their say and recognize all of those things and, and love that child and lead them to the light where they can heal through a number of these meditation processes that we use um, and, and get rid of the war that we have with our inner child with trying to make things happen and white knuckle it and, you know, have that inner fight with ourselves. I love this. I so resonate with the, with the love and the tenderness and the empathy and compassion for the inner child. And you mentioned these guided visualizations or these guided meditations. I want to ask you, do you have any of those that you have created and put out on CD or any way that people can listen to your I love your voice because it is just the voice of maturity and wisdom and love. And I think how wonderful for somebody to do introspective meditative work with the inner child and have that nurturing, solid, soothing voice of yours. And so do you have anything like that that's available for people? You know, quite frankly, um, we, we've been so busy with, uh, caring for Cliff and me being the provider that I haven't got, I have all my handouts, like I have a 350 handouts that give you the models of what to check, what to check for and, and to see what fits with where the problem is. Because when you have a problem, we always go for, you know, what principle solves this. And I have all of that. It oh, just wonderful. hasn't compiled yet because, um, you know, um, my sweet husband, you know, we needed to prioritize our time. And so absolutely, I can feel him uh, promoting me. Um, and so I have some people that will be working with me to get all of that compiled. And so Wonderful. I will these, we will have it on our website and it's just a work in progress right now. So it will well, come soon. Well, it's wonderful. And I know that you are planning somewhere in the near future to begin teaching classes again. And I want to be one of the first people on your list to know all about that and to share that with, with our listening audience, because I, I have experienced your work and I've experienced your love and your kindness 
in crucial situations. And I think that, wow, to be able to duplicate ourselves, to be able to, to take the things that you have created and to help other people learn that and to be able to bring that into their own homes and hearts and families. And you say you have over 300 processes and I just think that is so wonderful. So um, just so excited for that time when that is ready to go. And in the meantime, are you taking clients? Can people call you and get sessions with you now? Yes, I do phone therapy, I do FaceTime, I do Zoom and um... I do in-person clients as well. And one of the philosophies that I was given from some of the mentors that I had training with John Bradshaw, which was wonderful to train with him. Uh, he wrote the book, The Family, which if you really want to understand the dynamics of the family, which is functional or dysfunctional, uh, he did a PBS series in the 70s and 80s, and he was wonderful to educate the uh, uh, the you know, the, the, the people in, in our world um, that didn't have necessarily coaching or um, counseling and education, but he came into our homes and educated us. And I trained with him. And then I trained with mm -hmm. Pat Carnes, which he ran the uh, Delamo Hospital for addiction and codependency. And he also ran the Wickenburg, Arizona. And then I trained with some other PhDs that helped me with understanding the developmental stages and we can understand that when we really can't make it happen and it's not we can't perform in that area or whatever area we're working with that it may be a developmental um, block and so I feel like that the mentors that I had gave me the cream off the top and they didn't take me through this complicated journey and that's my goal is to give you what I've learned that actually works because, you know, in the journey, Karen, you find things that work better and don't work better, you know? And so with that, Absolutely. I just keep people the cream off the top and um, make it easy for them, easier than my journey was for me. Well, I'm excited to go on that journey and to take some friends with me who, who love and who will love this work for the inner child. And just thank you, Judy, and we'll be right back. Welcome to the Loving Liberty Radio Network. Welcome back to Joy Coaching America, raising the world's vibration to love, joy, and peace. One happy listener at a time. Welcome back to Joy Coaching America. I think that we are gleaning so much hope here to know and to learn just even at your feet right now, Judy Dunstan, with your information about the inner child and how, boy, when I see parents being unkind to their children, it just hurts my heart so much because I know that those impressions don't just stop and start in that moment they are formulating beliefs and like you say developing self perceptions and self image uh, mirrors and lenses for these children to look through and that they will be dealing with 
these things later in their adult years after they have matured and, and feel the need to look back and, and see themselves through corrected lenses. And, oh, I just think that this work is so vital, so important. And I love, Judy, that you are doing a Christian-based kind of coaching. And I would love for you to share your premise. Why Christian? I mean, there's so many different kinds of people out there that are doing new age work and, and just, you know, claim it through the secret and call in the universe. But, oh, it just loses something when we come to talking about the atonement of Jesus Christ. There's something solid there. So will you share with us your premise in doing this work? Oh, you bet. And I, I just want to mention that I'm always, I try to at least be very sensitive to somebody's belief system, because I find that, um, like I had a young man that was uh, um, pierced up and, and tattooed and um, had an energy of rebellion. And you just knew that he was really, really hurting from mm -hmm. all of his childhood pain. And he didn't want to talk about God, Savior, he didn't want to talk about deity as a male. And he had such a poor relationship with his father that he wasn't ready for to be able to talk about Heavenly Father or the Savior. And so we did the universe uh, with him because that was all that he knew. And God is synonymous with the universe because he made all of us and mm -hmm. made the universe. And so we try to go where they are. I had another client that had been um, sexually abused and she was not ready for God or the Savior either. And so since uh, the Savior is synonymous with light, she was able to take her pain and turn it over to the light. Um, and that's where she was. Now she was able to heal. So she was able to expect accept the uh, maleness of deity um, eventually. But we had to start where they were. So I always honor that. I think that that is so important. I just want to interject this. I, I had a client as well who was in the same situation and um, to be able to have them, you do believe in light. You do believe in dark. You know that there's day there, you know, there's night. Do you believe in good? Do you believe in evil? Yes. I believe in good. I believe in evil. And so being able to have them be able to separate, like you're separating the laundry, the lights from the darks and the, the beliefs that are, that are trapped in there that are that are painful and unhealthy versus some glimmer of hope of something that is right and good that is in themselves that they can catch and follow that trail to even greater light so i really appreciate you bringing that up because we do want to be very sensitive to everybody's backgrounds to where everybody is in the moment when they want to begin their healing journey and there is a power in the name Jesus. And I was listening to the Gaithers. Um, uh, they have a, um, a lot of music that they sing. And it's like they have a wonderful song uh, in the name of Jesus. And it's just a beautiful mm -hmm. song. So there is power in the name Jesus. And when they can reach that to accept that, you know, they, they accept all of the light. And there's no, um, I'll take this, but I won't take that, you know, that kind of thing. So sure, it's ideal for them to be able to get there, but sometimes it takes steps to get them there. Oh, and I do love the thought about music. I use music as therapy in my work as well. And 
have found that there's a lot of things that can be spoken in music that you can't really say to the client when they're on the table or when they're in the okay. chair, okay. That, that if you can play a song that resonates to their heart and opens their heart and touches their heart, that music has a universal language that can just go deep. So I think that that is very true as well. Yes, and opening that heart, um, music does it almost better than anything, right? Yeah, I, I agree. It does for me. And I know that some of us are very right-brained, um, but it's just a universal language for both sides, for both sides of the brain, left and right. So, so Judy, you do you want to talk about, have you found that during COVID, uh, did you have, did you feel that you were, you had more clients coming for addiction recovery? What did you notice about your clientele? Did you feel like there were more people in need that stepped forward? Actually, yes. Um, I did everything with Zoom. And of course, they felt safe. They didn't have to travel. And um, uh, just the oppression of all of this. Um, and, you know, um, and I'll have to tell you this little story. My mother, um, I was talking to her one day and she was talking about the depression. And she said, you know, everybody was hurting financially. And she said, except my friend and his family. And I said, well, um, and I said, well, what did her father do? Well, he was a mortician. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. I laughed and I said, oh my gosh. Well, and at that time I thought, you know, uh, we want to be able to have a profession that will last through any economy. And um, I have a handout that talks about the consumer and the producer and the consumer mindset needs all the externals to be totally perfect for them to make money, be successful, be happy, have a happy home, et cetera. And the producer says, I can be happy in any environment and I can make um, do with what I wanna create today within my own head. So my economy is between my head, my love power is between you know, my two ears and I can be successful in any circumstances. So we worked with, you know, having people be the, in the consumer mindset, which is have to have all the, you know, ducks in a row to be happy to the producer that I can be happy in any atmosphere of what's going on in the world. So, yeah. Wow. I think that that's really important. And I think that that would be, uh, I mean, just hearing you speak that is like, you just do a mental checklist in yourself. And I think that that's so important to have that producer mindset and to realize that, that we can never control what's happening in the world around us. And so to get that healthy attitude that just helps us to realize I am a co-creator with God in whatsoever state I am in, in whatsoever condition I am in. And that uh, I know that there's so many people that are working on recreating their businesses their, their mindsets, their uh, just moving through grief for the loss of loved ones and, and for death coming to the knocking on so many doors that it's just been such an incre incredible time. And to, if you're having a small business or you're in a business to have that producer, to get that producer mentality is really a beautiful thing to focus on and work on and to pick ourselves up, be resilient and move forward with a perfect brightness of hope. So tell us about this. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
Oh, I was just going to say, I, I would love to hear your thoughts. We only have a minute, but your thoughts about um, the savior in this work and the, and the crucial role that he plays. Oh, well, when we really uh, accept Jesus Christ as our personal savior, we open up to his healing in a way that is way beyond. So people thank me for what I do. And I say, you know, um, I'm the messenger, but I'm certainly not the healer because the savior is the one that clears, eradicates, um, transforms, heals um, all of those energies. And he has the power to do that. Uh, no other human being has the power to do that. And when we realize that we can take back our false security from other people, which we're going to talk about in the next segment, um, and give our real security to the Lord, knowing that he can do masterful things with our life to be able to clear. And I love the scripture, this is Ezekiel 18, and it says, repent, so iniquity will not be your ruin. Uh, make you a new heart and a new mind and a new spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel? Meaning die in your sin or your problem. And it says, wherefore, turn yourself and live ye. And that's what the Savior does. He just lets us turn back to the light and live and go on. And over and out, done deal, clean the slate. And that's the power of the atonement. And we'll be right back after this message. To Joy Coaching America, raising the world's vibration to love, joy, and peace, one happy listener at a time. We're back, Joy Coaching America, with Karen Lynn Grant, interviewing Judy Dunstan, who is a certified hypnotherapist, a certified addiction specialist, and who has created a beautiful Christian-based coaching system that she uses for her clientele online, on Zoom, over FaceTime, on the phone, or in person. And I have been a recipient of a few sessions with Judy many, many years ago, probably a decade ago. And I can highly recommend her gifts and her talents and her abilities to anyone who is looking for just that coach. Sometimes we just need somebody to have an objective an objective witness place in our life to help us. I remember Judy uh, reading a book about Carolyn Meese and she does energy anatomy. And I remember she was telling a story in her book that she had driven, she had gotten very depressed. And this woman did psychic readings. She was a, a psychic medic and she did uh, appointments over the phone. And then there came a day when she found herself just depressed and beside herself. And so she drove out in the country and just kept driving. And finally the road came to an end and she laid her head on her steering wheel. And she said, why can't I help me? I can help everybody else, but why can't I help me? And she said in her book that a very strong impression came to her 
If I gave you all the gifts, you would have no need for anyone else in your life, Carolyn. And the fact that you have gifts to help others doesn't mean that you don't need anybody to give you gifts. Others have been given gifts as well. And you stand in need of finding those that you can turn to in this crucial time. And so I am just so grateful. I think that it's so important when we think about Joy Coaching America, does that mean that uh, we all become joy coaches and we don't need anybody to help us through our crucial moments? No, we do. And we need to surround ourselves with a posse of wonderful women and men who can assist us. And so this month I will be devoting every Saturday at noon on Loving Liberty Radio, a different interview with a different kind of healthcare provider for emotional, mental, spiritual well-being. But these are all wonderful Christian people, and they all have been gift, gifted with a miraculous gift that I have experienced and been the recipient of. So now, Judy, we turn the time back over to you. Uh, if you would like to give your website, your phone number for anybody who would like to get in touch with you to receive one of these beautiful sessions. Oh, thank you so much. Um, our website is uh, meridianhealingmethods.com. That's meridianhealingmethods with an S.com. And also, I prefer if you would like to uh, call me at 801. That's 801 369 1114. 801 369 1114. And do you like to be texted? Text me, and I'd be glad to call you back as well. So that's probably the most efficient way to reach me. Well, that's wonderful. And I do want to encourage everybody out there that if you know somebody who's struggling, or if you are feeling like you just need a hand to hold to cross that bridge, uh, just give Judy a call because she is just a wonderful expert in her field. So Judy, we turn the time over. We've got some minutes and I just want to hear what you have to share with all of us today. You mentioned that you were going to talk about false securities and I would love to hear about that. Okay. Well, there's, um, you know, one polarity, we talk about one under the pole over here on the left-hand side, we can say that there's insecurity and that's just a human life experience. We've all felt insecure, right? Like we have nothing to hold on to. We feel totally inadequate and that security just grips us sometimes with fear. And then with the other end of the pole on the right-hand side, we have false security and the temporal world has a lot of things to be secure in. It can be our looks, it can be our homes that we live in, the car that we drive, um, the position that we have. It can be our talents. It can be um, our positions in uh, our church or government or whatever it is. And everything that is false security can go poof at any time. So I was giving um, a talk at a church uh, just south of us. And uh, these ladies were very familiar with what I was talking about because they had brand new homes and probably the average home was probably about $700,000 back then, um, you know, like maybe eight years ago. And um, we had had some fires out here in Saratoga Springs. And so when the rain came, 
mud came down the window and down the hill and went right into their basements. And it's just like, you know, if you put your heart into it, it's my home rather than God's home. And it's my home. And I mean, poof, your security is gone. And at any moment, your husband could lose his job or you could, you know, get sick or whatever. I mean, anything. And so false security is not a good place to land. So when I have clients and we do part of the meditation, you know, maybe they put their identity um, into the hands of their parents or someone else or their boss or their husband or wife or whatever. Uh, I have them take back their false security from their, um, the person that they've been investing their false security in and then have them reach for it with their hand and then actually see Heavenly Father and give their dedication and their security in the Lord. Because um, then it's like, I can always be secure because the temporal world can change to ups and downs, good and bad, in and out, whatever. And we're going to be just fine. And I do have to say about myself is that um, my security was based on how my former spouse liked me or didn't like me. And I was like a feather in the wind. If he liked me that day, I was up. And if he didn't like me that day, I was down. And it wasn't fun for him. And it wasn't fun for me. Uh, when I married Cliff, I knew better. And so I could roll with anything. And I was always secure in the Lord. Um, and that was a much better place to land. Not that I didn't get off track sometimes, because I did. But I would readjust because I knew the principle that would bring me back to order in my life. And um, it really did help me. So they say that you really can't be all that you could become unless you believe in a being greater than yourself. So just the fact that we know that um, it's always good to be able to work through what we call our God stuff, because sometimes our God stuff can be have to do with our male parent and to work those issues through so we can really embrace an authority figure that knows that we're that we loves us accepts us takes us right where we are with our warts and our beauty marks and will just love us right through it and that we can turn back to the light and live and let it go over and out done deal and know that hey we can go with a clean slate and here we go again you know doing our best that we can I love this. I appreciate this and talking about false securities. I think that it's so important to, to just actually speak that because so many people have lost something that they loved and during this time, and whether that was a job or, or a home or a family member, um, even people will not always be there whether it's that they are, they are taking their turn is up, they graduate and move on. And you've just recently lost your loved one, not lost him because he's still very close to you, but he has passed to the other side. And how have you been able to manage that grief? You know that he's in a better place. And I, I just love that you are so happy for his wholeness and his complete journey. But when you feel sad and miss cliff how do you handle that well um cliff had an overdose about seven years ago that caused some brain damage and so he's been declining for a lot a lot of years mm -hmm. and so 
I went through all of the natural man feelings, angry, um, abandoned, um, hurt, uh, resentful. I mean, I went through all of that. Um, but I promised myself that if I, first of all, I use a process where I put my hands on my heart and I say, I have the right to feel resentful. I have the right to be mad. I have the right to be sad. I have the right to feel cheated. I have the right to feel anger and all of those kind of things. And we, if we embrace those things, rather than feel like we're bad people because we feel those feelings, that doesn't help us. And we suppress those feelings, then they just come back like with a loaded spring. So for me and my clients, I just went through all the throes of all of those sad, sad, you know, unfair, you know, da 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 da, da all those feelings. I went through them very real, but I didn't want to stay there because I knew that it would make me bitter and disempower me. And I couldn't have, I couldn't be in the light with all of that baggage. And so I wanted to be able to clear that as quick as I could, but I gave myself the right to have the right to feel those feelings. And then the next step after that is after I have the right to feel what I feel, because we all have agency and that's important to honor everyone's agency to feel the way they feel. Then the second one stage is to be able to say, sadness is just a feeling. Sadness is just a feeling. Anger is just a feeling. Grief is just a feeling. Feeling cheated is just a feeling. And it doesn't have to define me and the rest of my life. It's just a feeling. And I have people sometimes sit in the chair of grief and then leave the grief in the chair and get up and walk away from the grief. And you realize it's just a feeling and that we can turn it over to our Savior. And the power that the Savior has to lift that is humbling because when you reach for him, he'll reach for you. And you just give it a few minutes and it's like, Oh my goodness, I'm not in the darkness of that grief anymore. So mm-hmm. I went through all of those stages and when I, I felt cheated and robbed and all those kind of things, um, I was able to process myself. And the reason I'm probably in better shape today is because I went through those things along the way. And so now when he's passed, it's a different story than all at once. Thank you, Judy. I appreciate all of these these comments. We will close the show now, but we'll be back. We'll have you on part two. This is Carolyn Grant. Thank you so much, Judy, for being here with me today. Joy Coaching America. Mm-hmm.